Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this directive's event, analyzing the packaging and packaging waste regulation. What are the implications for our forests? Supported by Life Terra. Today, we will look at the implications of the ongoing revision of the packaging and packaging waste directive, focusing on the environmental impact of packaging, especially on forests. The revision was proposed in November 2022 to fight growing waste, boost reuse and promote recycling, but also to better harmonize the regulatory frameworks across the Union. It is now being negotiated in the EU institutions and has caused a bit of a political fight between activists and industry representatives. To unpack all this and better understand what is at stake when it comes to packaging and forests, we have a great panel of speakers joining us today. So let me introduce them. We have Mattia Pellegrini, Head of Unit from Waste Resources at the Director General for Environment at the European Commission. Marco Musso, Senior Policy Officer on Circular Economy and Fiscal Reform at the European Environmental Bureau. Hannah Mowat, Campaign Coordinator at FERN, an NGO uh, created to keep track of the EU's involvement in forests and Ulrich Leberle, Raw Materials Director at the CEPI, the European Association representing the paper industry. Before we dive into our discussion, let me briefly explain the structure of the event. I will first let the speakers introduce themselves, and then we will move to some questions. I would like to ask the audience to submit their questions as well at any time. You can do so by typing the question on the chat to your right or a slider, either by scanning the QR code, which is now on the screen, or by using the hashtag PPWR. Please also let us know your name and position so that we have a little bit of context and you can also specify who you want to ask your question to. Now I will leave the floor to our speakers for a short introduction round. Mattia, we can start with you. Uh, good morning, everybody, and thank you for uh, the invitation. Indeed, uh, we are at a crucial stage of, uh, um, of the proposal uh, because um, the two institutions are coming to the final assessment of the proposal. As you probably know, next week, the European Parliament uh, will have the vote in the plenary and the four will agree on a common position. And the Council is likely to reach what is called a general approach uh, by uh, the Environmental Council of, of December. So if these two steps will happen, one in November next week and the other one in December, then uh, the trilogues could start uh, in the month of uh, January and to try to see if the proposal can be agreed uh, uh, still during this uh, uh, mandate uh, before a parliamentary uh, election. Uh, indeed, uh, um, you mentioned yourself the proposal has generated uh, quite a lot of a debate. Uh, I would say this was, uh, from a certain point of view, expected because it's the first time that we have regulated the, the highest step of the um, waste hierarchy. So until now, for people which are familiar with waste legislation, we always have, mon um, uh, let's say, uh, regulated uh, recycling and other type of uh, um, uses like waste energy and, and landfill uh, but this is the first time that we have targets on reuse and also targets on waste prevention which are the two highest level of the waste years so of course um, when you introduce a, a totally new concept uh, that may generate uh, tension and also i think what is important is the first time that in a very clear way we regulate the recyclability of the product so we really have a clear condition 
for the design of the product to make sure that all packaging by 2030 it is uh, recyclable. There was already in the old directive a reference to that, but it was not uh, translated in concrete principle for economic operators, which is the case now with the regulation and, um, and an internal market legal basis. Indeed, these are maybe the last two points I wanted to make. One, that uh, a big shift also, which again has generated uh, indeed attention to, to the proposal, is that we have moved from a, a traditional approach of a directive into a regulation which is directly applicable to uh, economic operators and indeed is based on an internal market legal basis. So that means that it tries to harmonize uh, for uh, the entire Europe, uh, the uh, conditions, uh, I mean, in this case, most environmental conditions. And the second point I wanted to make, why we did it, uh, essentially for two reasons. One, because we saw that uh, per capita, the amount of packaging was constantly increasing. So we've reached uh, more than 180 kilograms per person per year. And this, I mean, the trend was really continuing like this, uh, according to our uh, forecast until uh, the 2030 and then 2050. So there was really a need of action uh, to save our planet. And then the second reason was that uh, in a number of areas, there were uh, barriers to internal market and also market failures. And I can come back to that. But these were the two main drivers which led us uh, uh, to come up with a revision as part of the Green Deal. So maybe I'll stop here because I think the focus is started to, 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 to discuss. So. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mattia. Uh, Marco, I will uh, now leave you the, the floor. Thank you, Silvia, and good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Marco Musso. I work for the European Environmental Bureau, which is the largest federation of environmental uh, citizens organization in Europe. Together with an even broader coalition of NGOs, we have been working uh, on, on this file. Particularly, our interest is uh, to defend and promote the solutions for Europe to genuinely address the packaging waste crisis, which, as it was introduced uh, already by, by Mattia, is a is by all means a crisis. Packaging waste is growing much faster than GDP. So it's growing much faster than the volume of goods that are traded, showing that we have a problem. And uh, the problem is one of over-reliance on uh, single-use and throwaway application. So we are very, we were very interested in the Commission proposal, which puts the focus on the right place, uh, um, upstream, trying to prevent the generation of packaging and, and tackling packaging that is uh, that is unnecessary. We believe that this is where the genuine solution lie. And at the moment, at this, this stage of the policy process, the main concern is that under the immense pressure from some single-use uh, packaging interests and, and companies, we see the proposal uh, getting weaker by the day. The real risk is, uh, for, to, to understand this, we need to look at the fact that we already have rules in Europe that were supposed to uh, manage this growth of waste. This is the current directive, but these rules were too vague. There were too many loopholes, and in fact, they had no uh, practical effect in limiting the growth of packaging waste. This is the risk now if co-legislature, if parliament and council uh, don't agree on clear rules uh, to, prevent to prevent and reduce packaging waste. The risk is to repeat the same mistake and essentially continues with the status quo, which is one, as it was mentioned, of uh, 188 kilograms of packaging waste per person, which is projected to, to keep increasing over, over the next year. So we're very interested in this discussion and how also we can focus on genuine solution to the uncontrolled growth of packaging waste. I look forward to, to our discussion. Thank you, Marco. Uh, Hannah? 
Hi, thanks again for inviting us as well to this uh, to this debate, which I really look forward to. Um, I'm the mother of two small children, and uh, I don't know if there are other parents out there who are in that Pokemon phase, but I'm in right in the middle of that Pokemon phase, even though children seem to just be collecting the cards rather than <laughs> actually doing anything with them. But so, so I'm in that sort of Pokemon phase where these characters have superpowers, and I really relate to that because something that I've believe very strongly for the 10 years that I worked at Ferner that forests really are like a superpower in the fight against climate change. They're a superpower because they're the only um, technology, as it were, that is able to both store and absorb carbon dioxide um, the, uh, at scale. Um, and so it's really, really worrying that in the last 20 years, the European forest sink um, has, has, has dramatically declined uh, by over 30%. Uh, in the last 20 years, um, which is obviously hugely problematic in the fight against climate change, because right in the moment when we're supposed to be uh, absorbing more CO2 um, and decreasing emissions um, rapidly, um, we're actually doing the opposite. Uh, forest power nations such as Finland and Estonia have reported in the last weeks and months that their forests have now tipped over into being net emitters of carbon dioxide. So it's, it's, a, it's a really worrying time. The reasons for those uh, well, the main reason is uh, an increased and sustained increase in harvesting. And the second uh, are the impacts of climate change. And uh, the foresters that we're working with are really worried about the, the uh, about whether they will have forests uh, there in the future. And so um, um, we're working with them to, to try and uh, promote solutions in the EU that will help them with that. Um, and the link between the fact that forests are absorbing less and less carbon dioxide in Europe and the packaging and packaging waste regulation is the fact that about 15 to 20 percent of all trees that are harvested in Europe go directly into packaging. Um, so globally 40 percent of all wood is used for pulp and paper and about half of that half of pulp and paper is used for packaging in Europe. Um, so that's where that figure comes from um, and so the fact that packaging is projected to increase by 19% by 2030, if nothing is done, um, will obviously have an impact on forests. Um, at the same time, it's not just having an uh, impact on European forests, it's also having an impact on tropical forests. Um, we were looking at shipment data from Indonesia, for example, um, and in 2021, EU companies imported 1.2 billion paper straws from Indonesia. So there's been a 250% increase in in, in, in the import of pulp and paper from Indonesia in the last 10 years. Um, Brazil is the largest provider of pulp, pulp for, uh, for European um, paper products. So, um, so it's also having an impact increasingly so on, uh, on tropical forests um, and tropical lands. Um, and this basically means that the increase that's foreseen in single-use um, paper products will not be uh, to the benefit of European jobs, it's uh, it's at the expense of tropical forests, and European jobs will keep declining because we we ca simply cannot keep competing uh, with this race to the bottom. European Europe is just too ex too expensive. We will lose that fight. So we need to think about um, what we use the raw material for, what we use our precious forest resources for, um, and how we can really add value um, uh, as part of a sensible bioeconomy. Um, including also for reusable packaging. Uh, there's no reason why, um, why European forests could not be used um, for, for, for reusable packaging, for example, to replace um, classic uh, plastic. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, I look forward to the discussion. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Hannah. And uh, last but not least, Ulrich. Hello, good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Ulrich Leberle, Raw Materials Director in SEPI. And um, also, thank you very much for inviting me to the panel. It is, a, it is an extremely important subject for us. Uh, it is uh, for the paper industry in, in Europe. Um, I, I come to some of the figures that, uh, that Hannah just mentioned. I, I think uh, some need to be corrected, but it's true that packaging is an essential product of the, of the European paper industry. It's, so it is crucial to, to, to address the topic. If, um, if stakeholders write uh, to the commission, they often mention uh, the, are there, couldn't there be unintended consequences? So, so it's, it's good to, to address the topic. And we can see that in the commission's impact assessment, the, the amount of plastic waste will increase while, uh, while according to the commission proposal, others go down. But we need to remember that uh, climate change, and that's Han Hannah said, uh, influences a number of, uh, of natural disturbances that, um, that, for example, invasive species, um, outbreaks, insect outbreaks, storms, fires. Um, so, so we need so the solution to that is really to keep the fossils in the ground and build the circular bioeconomy. And that is, that is really uh, the, the roadmap that we are having. We are building the circular economy, bioeconomy based on, 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 on uh, forest as an initial raw material, but, but strongly increasing the recycling rate so that we, we can really broaden the raw material base in the circular economy and bringing bio and circular really together. Eurostat just published a paper uh, has a 82.5% recycling rate in packaging. So that means that uh, all packaging do a lot of numbers of, of, um, of rounds coming back into the circle, serving as packaging again and again. It is not reuse, it's single use mostly, um, but, but the fiber is, is in the loop. Um, and we are the main packaging material, indeed, 50, uh, 40, a bit more than 40% uh, in, in Europe is based on paper packaging. But if we, if we take uh, the numbers on, on, on recycling, we recycle more than all other materials together. So we are the sector that is working with nature, with, with being stewards of the forest, working with the forest to increase uh, the the, the, the use of, of bioeconomy while keeping, of course, an eye on the other forest functions uh, that, that they fulfill. So, but we need to work with nature and not against nature. And working against nature would be going uh, back into forcing uh, the increase of fossil materials and we need to keep them in the ground. And that is the best measure to, uh, to, for, for the forests. And uh, looking forward, to our debate now. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, uh, Mattia, you already mentioned um, the purpose of uh, uh, the, the regulation, the, the, the revision of the directive. Um, could you go a little bit uh, deeper into uh, the objectives when it comes to reducing the environmental impact of packaging and packaging uh, waste? You are muted. Sorry. Now, 
completely new compared to the old uh, directive is that for the first time we have, as I said, the pre waste prevention targets and reuse targets. So um, as regards the waste prevention targets, indeed we have targets for 2030, 2035 and 2040. And indeed, uh, for example, I will start with the waste prevention target for 2030, which is 5% may seem uh, according to the NGOs to law or may seem according to industry to high, but in reality that is pretty high because indeed, uh, um, as it was said by uh, Anna, uh, the increase that we're forecasting our impact assessment of packaging from now to 2030 of all the different materials would have been 19%. So actually when you say that you have to reduce by uh, 5% compared to the baseline, that means a minus 24% uh, uh, reduction of packaging. So to put it in a simple language means that one out of four of the packaging, which is currently placed on the market, uh, has to disappear. I mean, so that is a major effort which will be um, required. And then the target will increase up to 15%. So that's uh, in 2040. Then the second big issue, which has generated uh, a lot of um, debate is reuse. Indeed, it's the first time we regulate uh, reuse. And we did it in two ways, uh, with a number of specific targets for areas. So we didn't go, you, um, I mean, just to take it from, uh, from, from distance. So there could have been two different approaches. Either you have an overall reuse targets on packaging, but we thought that this would not be feasible. We went rather for an approach, as you have seen in the, in the proposed regulation, which is to have reuse targets in areas where we believe that there can be a lot of environmental benefits and, and we know that this can be done. So for example, uh, transport packaging, or for example, the Eureka sector. So these are the type of areas where we, and then in, this is combined with an Annex 5, which has also generated a lot of uh, discussion, which is an Annex, which contain a number of um, type of packaging, which we believe are so-called unnecessary. So for example, uh, the miniature uh, shampoo that you find in the hotel, or for example, the uh, mini condiments that you can find on the table, or for example, uh, the uh, single use uh, in the case of uh, dining in. So these are a number of uh, uh, specific areas where the commission uh, proposed that uh, indeed there are alternatives, which they result in less consumption of, of uh, packaging. So that was a big chapter, waste prevention and reuse. Then a second big chapter is what I consider extremely important. Unfortunately, the focus has been so much on that that uh, it has been a bit uh, neglected in the debate, but I think it's a major revolution to make sure that all packaging material is recyclable by uh, 2030. And then is recyclable at scale by 2035. There are also discussions there in the parliament in the council, but the overall objective is to make sure really that uh, the packaging is designed in a way that can be recycled at the end. Uh, according to our impact assessment, uh, roughly one third of the packaging placed on the market uh, is difficult to be recycled at the end of the uh, at the end of life. So that uh, and indeed uh, that pro the proposal foreseen not only these two targets of recyclability, uh, but you also foreseen the definition of performance classes. So you will classify the different type of packaging according to the uh, recyclability per packaging unit and you will link this also to the EPR fees so to the extended producer responsibility uh, fees so this I think is a, a very important component uh, often uh, um, a bit uh, put aside because they focus so much on, on reuse but I think it's a very important uh, which uh, by the way in, in this big debate reuse versus recycling is the 
evidence that once you get this one extra, actually is even assessed in our impact assessment, when you get this one extra third, which is currently not recyclable, into the recycling streams, actually the proposal will not lead to reduce recycling opportunities, as has been often uh, written in the press, but will actually, uh, uh, we have estimated even by number of tons in our impact assessment, will actually give more opportunities for recycling. So there will not be any risk of uh, dismantling recycling capacity. And then the last two points uh, just to mention, one is recycled content for plastics package, only for that, why? Because we saw a market failure that uh, the uptake of recyclates in new packaging made of plastic is low. So we decided to intervene with recycled content for plastic. Of course, we didn't do it for, uh, today we're talking about a lot of paper. We didn't do it because paper indeed, as Ulrich said, uh, recycling rates are already very high. So there is no need of a recycled content uh, uh, obligation. And then we also have uh, specific routes for labeling, harmonized labeling, including for sorting, and also in certain cases, a mandatory uh, deposit, and um, deposit and refund system, so DRS, notably for uh, beverage bottles and metal cans. I mean, there are plenty of other elements in the proposal, but if I need to focus on a few of the key elements, these are a few of the key elements and related objectives. Uh, thank you, Mattia. Um, you already mentioned one of the main issues of, uh, of controversy uh, around this uh, regulation, which is the reuse, um, reusable targets. Uh, Marco, um, we know that the, the revision is uh, going through negotiations right now. The parliament is set to, to, to vote um, on its position next week, and the vote, uh, we can expect a rather tight vote, let's say. Could you walk us through uh, what happened? has happened so far and um, what are the crucial points in your view um, as we look at the, at the vote next week um, and what do you expect it could uh, could happen yes i can try uh, and then it will be interesting to to discuss on this uh, but the starting point uh, really is the the commission proposal and as mattia uh, outlined we can debate whether it's uh, ambitious or not uh, but everything that was included in the proposal would have led not to a 5% reduction of packaging waste by 2030, but close to it. And the proposal, the Commission regulation already very clearly says that the, all the harmonized measure, including the reuse target, including all the unnecessary rest restrictions of unnecessary packaging before the dilution that we've seen in Parliament, would have not been enough to reach this 5% uh, uh, waste prevention targets, but member states will have to do more. And this was the situation uh, in November when the proposal came out. What we see now is that, uh, regrettably, the European Parliament works so far as uh, further diluted the ambition of the proposal, introducing several exceptions, derogation also for specific treatment to, to exclude, for example, paper packaging, which in fact have further reduced the ambition of the proposal and uh, it has seriously undermined its chances to actually stop the growth of, of packaging waste. Um, so at the moment, uh, next week, the European Parliament will be voting on a report that came out on the uh, out of the Environment Committee, which is uh, from a waste prevention perspective, from a reuse perspective, significantly weakened uh, compared to the Commission original proposal. And uh, what we're seeing and what we're really concerned is, is uh, further attempts to go even uh, even further in either deleting some of the restrictions of unnecessary packaging or introducing further derogation uh, or loopholes in the in the reuse targets. Um, so 
I don't know, we, we can also go a little bit more specific. We can mention, for example, one of the first victims of the negative lobbying against this proposal were the uh, very modest reuse targets for takeaway packaging. It was a 10% uh, reuse targets by 2030 for takeaway, and this is uh, no longer part of, uh, of the current uh, commission, um, parliament proposal. But also, and uh, perhaps we can go into this uh, in a moment, but also there are specific derogations for, for example, single-use paper pro products in, in the restrictions for, for unnecessary packaging. Uh, this is problematic uh, because it, it really brings us farther away from uh, a solution. And um, we, will, we, will, we are working hard. We are still uh, hopeful for the, for the vote in, uh, in plenary next week. Uh, but we are aware of, uh, of these pressures that are really insisting on the most important aspect of the proposal. So as Matthias explained, this regulation is doing a lot, a lot of important work on different areas from waste prevention to recycle, recycle content. Um, but in terms of uh, providing citizens with genuine solution to the packaging waste crisis, the focus needs to remain on Article 26, the reuse targets, and Article 22, which is what we're trying to do to avoid unnecessary packaging being placed on the market and, and becoming waste rapidly after. So in terms of the success uh, of, uh, of next week vote and also the success of uh, EU decision makers in giving a solution and a response to this crisis, we would uh, definitely start and suggest starting from uh, whether we can say we have a solution to, to have even a fighting chance to revert the uncontrolled growth of packaging waste between now and 2030. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Marco. And uh, focusing a little bit more on paper packaging, um, Hannah, um, we know that one of the reasons behind the regulation is um, the effort to reduce the over-exploitation of natural resources. Um, and of course, when we talk about uh, paper packaging, we also talk about uh, our trees, uh, forests. Um, how do you evaluate uh, the proposed regulation when it comes to the protection of, uh, of forests? I mean, so this packaging regulation was not something that we were were working on. <clears throat> firm, we work on the um, we, we work on on regulations to do with forest management and trying to improve forest management, and then we work on the sort of biggest pressures on forests at the demand side. And at the time, we were we were working mainly on on bioenergy, and actually there was a sort of cry for help from the <clears throat> the um, anti plastic uh, movement um, and great organisations. Um, like rethink plastic, um, who were seeing increasingly that the all the things that they had been winning in terms of pushing out plastic from our systems was leading to an increase in paper packaging, um, and uh, so that's uh, why we started working on it. Um, about half of all paper is now used for packaging. There's been an, an over eighty percent increase in the application in the use of um, pulp uh, for packaging. Uh, in uh, in the last uh, decade or so, um, so it is a rapidly rapidly growing uh, growing sector, and I think it's something that we see every time we go out for lunch. Um, we uh, you know now increasingly are you know sitting in restaurants eating in uh, in paper um, uh, paper based uh, bowls or paper based plates, um, throwaway cutlery, uh, and it's a trend um, that that you know we're seeing uh, just as as average consumers. So. Um, so that's that, that's one of the reasons why we're, we're working on this file. And I just want to say that we're talking a lot about paper packaging, but it's 
In terms of the the sector that we're talking about, so uh, mainly for the food and, and drink sector, it's very, very, in fact, never just paper. It's always mechanically laced with plastic or other um, or other uh, chemical coatings, um, which uh, have a high pro proportion of which have toxic chemicals, so forever chemicals, PFAS, in them, which leach into our bodies and you know have all sorts of detrimental impacts in terms of impacts, increased likelihood of cancer and other um, uh, 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 other diseases linked to disruption of hormones. Um, a study. Uh, done recently by independent scientists um, showed that 32 out of 42 of the product paper product, paper based products that they were looking at um, were coated with uh, with PFAS with these forever chemicals. So it's very very rarely just paper packaging. So we're not just talking about paper packaging. We're also also talking about plastic packaging and a huge proportion of which um, uh, are, are simply not recycled. In the European Parliament, we know very well, we drink out of a paper cup in MP's office and it doesn't go into being recycled, it goes into being incinerated. Um, and that's because uh, a lot of these paper-based um, packaging um, items are, um, uh, are, are, are hard, to, hard to recycle uh, and that's also in the uh, Commission's impact assessment. Um, so yeah, those are some of the reasons why we're working on this uh, on this topic. Uh, thank you, thank you, Hannah. Um, and uh, now moving towards the, the industry perspective, Ulrich, um, can I ask you what um, do you think is uh, could be the impact of the regulation on the paper industry? Uh, you mentioned the importance of building a circular economy and also the importance of increasing recycling rates. So maybe could you also give uh, give us your perspective on the, um, on the focus on the attention on the reuse targets? In the regulation? Yes, certainly. So we have in in, in paper we have an, an own target uh, of, of further increasing recycling of, of uh, packaging uh, papers to, to even 90%. So that is below uh, that is sorry that is more than than what is the, the target at uh, at a regulatory level. Which, which we are overshooting at the moment. So, so we are at 82%. We want to reach 90% by, by 2030. And of course, this proposal here has the, has the, the opportunity to, to really solve some of the issues that are still hindering going really um, over, over the high levels that we see already. I mean, we, we see, for example, Hannah mentioned uh, so certain products that are that are not recycled. Well, the the bottleneck for this is is, is the collection system. So so this proposal here could indeed um, make sure that we we still have uh, better collection systems, meaning having really paper separate from uh, from other recyclables. That is what the commission is recommending uh, since a long time, since 2012. We have we had a, a project impact paper act from the commission. Uh, showing showing the benefits of separate collection, keeping really paper products separate from other recyclables. That that is the main bottleneck. If certain flows you mentioned uh, you mentioned when, when they are when they are for example uh, used for for takeaway food etc. Bring them into into a paper collection. They will be recycled. It is absolutely. Um, what is correct is that most papers are collected and recycled. Otherwise, we would not have a 82% recycling rate. So, and that is going back into paper, uh, in, into papers, and, and that that is the cycle 
that we are promoting. So we have a, a functioning closed material loop where paper is recycled back to paper uh, products. And, and we, we do not have an open loop where we have leakage to other to, to other sectors. And, and so, so what we see as, as, a, as opportunity is also here to, 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 to show this uh, loop. So, so the risk, uh, on the contrary, is that concepts that may work uh, for other products like bottle-to-bottle -bottle recycling are then translated and just applied to other sectors. Uh, that would be a concern. Um, so, so really, even furthermore, closing that cycle. But if I, if I may, I also wanted to, to react to, to an, another statement concerning the forest. So the main raw material for packaging in Europe is, is paper that has been waste at a certain stage. If you put your bowl into the right bin or into the wrong bin, it is waste. So that, is, that explains why it, it, we have a lot of paper waste, 40% in the generation. But then that uh, paper that is waste becomes a secondary raw material and is the raw material for paper making again. And in packaging overall, transport packaging, food packaging, etc. Overall, uh, more than 70% is based on recycled paper that you and I are discarding after our use. So it's a functioning cycle. And so, so we need uh, to have those facts correct. Also, also uh, it is European-based. So, so the European paper industry is actually a net exporter of paper products, and we want to remain competitive. We do not want to solve the climate crisis by closing down, but, but remain competitive, having products that are based on European resources, European value chains, recycled in Europe and used in Europe again, and, uh, and being even net exporter for these products because we have a lot of forests and, and we have a, a lot of experience how to manage them well. The sink has been growing in the past um, and, re and recently, indeed, because of natural disturbances and other reasons, that that sink is slowing down, but it's it is it is not uh, it it is not going into an emission. What we need to avoid are emissions, and for that we need to keep fossils in the ground, and build a, a bio-based economy, um, adding adding value to our product. And thank you, Ulrich. Um, Hanna, would you like to to react to to what Ulrich said? Just, I mean, Ulrich, I, I like Ulrich very much. We've been working alongside each other for a number of years. But, I mean, yesterday I rewatched, by some turn of unfortunate affairs, the scene when Kellyanne Conway, the chief head of, uh, of staff of, of, of Trump, started talking about alternative facts. And I'm sorry, but some of the things you're talking about are just alternative facts. And it's also just the, 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 a, a really good example for those audience out there who we can't see, unfortunately, on the screen. An example of... of of very, very aggressive lobbying that we've had to face. There isn't a single day when we don't open our inbox when there's not a, some form of packaging-based industry that is selling their advertisements in Politico um, newsletters, buying op-eds in your active, uh, and uh, buying events uh, here, there, and everywhere. And uh, Seppi, to their credit, have, have have not been the most vocal in that, but but others such, uh, uh, such as McDonald's and 
and single-use paper cup producers and it's and it's very normal because of course they're defending their industry but i really hope that you know we used to have debates around climate change where we used to have a climate skeptic and then uh, and then someone who believed that climate change was happening because of humans and i think that you know i hope in future years that that we we uh, we, we don't always have this sort of oppositional uh, debate where we place um these arguments on, on a foot by foot um, it's just not true, Ulrich, that 82.5, I mean, it, it's possible that there is a high percentage of, of paper products, paper-based products that are recycled, but only 50% of those find themselves back in the loop. That's based on your own data. We don't have any other data other than the CEPI data. And the CEPI data year after year after year shows, and, and by the way, not an increasing percentage of it, uh, only about 50%. Uh, just under 50% is actually finds themselves back into that loop. So please stop using this 82.5% figure. It's just simply not true. Thank you, Hannah. I'm not sure whether, yeah, Ulrich. If I if I if I may just to react on on that last point. So, so and, and indeed uh, the the debates have been heating up uh, on 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 all sides because there is a lot at stake. And uh, and uh, paper has uh, has uh, improved, overshot its targets, and and now suddenly there is uh, uh, there there is now something that that hurts uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, good improvement. So eighty two percent is the recycling rate according to Eurostat. So that is not our data. That is the recycling rate from Eurostat. Um, then the, the more than 50% that we are using, that is all paper and what we use back for paper production in Europe. But that is all paper, that is printing papers, tissue papers, special papers, all kinds of papers that are partly more difficult to recycle indeed. And that explains that gap. Um, but but the, the but, but packaging, it has a, a functioning loop and indeed, other, other countries outside Europe are also seeking this material. Paper in, before it has been China, now it's been more India and other countries. They are keen on importing paper for recycling that has been collected in Europe and that is also recycled in other, in other, other paper industries outside Europe. And that explains that gap, why we, we still have also more virgin material in Europe here because indeed some of the paper for recycling is also leaving Europe because it's used by paper industries outside Europe. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I know this is uh, quite an interesting um, aspect of, of the topic. I would just like to go back one second to um, the um, uh, controversy around the reuse targets and ask, ask Mattia, uh, what was the rationale behind the Commission's proposal of introducing also these reusable targets alongside recycling targets? Muted again. Sorry, uh, I think Mark already explained what was uh, the logic. Uh, the, the main logic was really to not only to reach high recycling uh, performance, but at the same time to stop the trend. So to stop the trend in the sense that uh, uh, even if you recycle more and more, the, the exponential increase, which is the link from uh, essentially GDP, as Marco was saying, and especially if you look at the data over the last 10 years, you can really see that there has been a, a, a growth which went beyond the GDP. So beyond, as Marco was explaining, the amount of, of products which are placed on the market, 
um, lead, uh, I mean, essentially shows that, that there is a very fast consumption of, of, and there is also a lot of overpackaging. That's the reason why we decided that uh, the only way to, 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 to revert that trend is to also foster reuse with a number of targets, because if you have reuse, and especially if you have a well-functioning reuse system with a many rotation, then you don't need to produce many times the same packaging, but at the same time can be used uh, uh, many times. I mean, so take the example of the, as you know, we have reused target also for beverage bottles, uh, both for beers, but also for wines. Um, indeed, we recognize, for example, that for wines is more complex, and that's the reason why the target is different. But beers, if you take the German models, uh, the German model, uh, a, a bottle of beer can be reused, uh, uh, I mean, for years and years. I mean, and especially if you standardize the bottles, which is part of the proposal, because indeed, as Marco said, all the focus on Article 22 and 26, but there is uh, among these articles, all the few other articles, which they give power to the Commission to standardize, for example, and to, to build effective reuse systems. So if you have, for example, like they've done in Germany, that you standardize the shape of the bottle of beers, uh, then the, you can actually reuse the bottles of all your competitors, uh, and you don't need that. Then all the transport costs also bring uh, their brought to zero. Then you will stop uh, a, a significant amount of production of single-use, uh, for example, beer bottles. So that is what what was the 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 the, the, the logic uh, why this was uh, uh, was done. I mean, indeed, the, in the Commission proposal, as you know, we're always uh, when you start uh, when you join the Commission uh, at the very first training, you always uh, remind that you should remain. Uh, technologically and material, uh, materially neutral. So I've always been, uh, uh, how do you say, faithful to that uh, philosophy in the sense that uh, it is not our role of the Commission to enter in a battle, you know, if, um, uh, of starting to, to accuse a given uh, material. I mean, um, I see also that over years, the focus has been shifting also from uh, from attention. A few years ago, the, the, the big problem was plastics. Now the big problem seems to be uh, paper. I think what we have to look is really how do we solve problems which we have identified in the impact assessment. So and indeed, that, that was the logic of reuse. Now, as Marco said, uh, there has been a number of exemptions, notably in the parliament. Uh, there is also what is interesting is that these two specific articles, 22 and 26, uh, are under a joint conference. So uh, joint conference on the one case of the ITRE committee and the other case of the ENVRI committee. So you have two rapporteurs which have taken, a, I mean, both of them have lowered the level of ambition, as Marco said, uh, of, of the Commission. In one case, the MB Committee with uh, the report of Mrs. Rees uh, in a certain manner, and in the, case, in the other case, uh, the, the report of uh, Mrs. Toya in the uh, ITRE Committee, even more uh, compared to, 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 to the Rees report. Um, and for us, uh, indeed, uh, we believe that the, the approach should be the one we have proposed, but uh, uh, we see that even this exemption, they don't solve one important problem because I, I will not even enter in the Ulrich is right. The, the numbers, I mean, the paper sector has uh, went beyond the target of 75%. I mean, this is certified by the Commission and ISTAT in the early warning reports, which were published uh, uh, on the 8th of June. So it is indeed that uh, among all the materials, uh, it has been one which has been uh, highly performing in terms of recycling rates and in, indeed in a number of member states uh, the target of 70 percent recycling target by 2025 has already been reached but the the, 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 the issue is another one the issue is that uh, in this often in this uh, 80 percent or 82.5 percent uh, 
the single-use paper products are not captured. So they're not part of that. So uh, if you don't have reuse, but then you don't even collect these products, uh, because in most of the cases, indeed, there was mentioned the example of McDonald's, but uh, the example they always mention of collection, as far as I know, is an example uh, not even in, throughout the Italian uh, um, country, but only in some cities in Italy, where they've started to have a proper collection system. But uh, I would say that, uh, I mean, we believe still in reuse, but really, if you have to make exemption to reuse, uh, then they have to be linked uh, to other parameters to say, okay, I give you an exemption, but then it has to be clear that this product has to be separately collected, it has to be uh, then uh, recycled, because there is no doubt that even if you have a, a very limited amount of, of rotation, so there is a lot of, uh, I mean, has been called the battle of life cycle assessment, but let's put it, uh, I mean, a life cycle assessment is not rocket science, it depends on a number of assumptions, but even if, let's say, we take the assumption that the rotation are not as high as estimated by the European Commission, and uh, that indeed uh, primary data, which are uh, starting to be gathered from France, uh, shows that actually the consumer is not well educated, and actually very often um, the rotation are very low, so the amount of times that the product goes back and forward. But even in that case, if single use is not recycled at the end, it's not separately collected and recycled, uh, then still, uh, 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 even with low number of rotation, uh, 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 multi-use seems to perform better uh, than, uh, than uh, single-use. So I don't want to enter here in this debate, indeed, as I said, uh, of lifecycle assessment. We're also asked to the Joint Research Center to carry out uh, an additional study based also on primary data that the industry has been submitted. Uh, we hope to, to finalize it as soon as possible. But the, the most important point I wanted to make is that uh, um, to draw the attention of the colleges later, that, uh, and especially the parliament in this case, that, okay, um, we believe still uh, that the solution is reused because even, uh, but if then they want to go a different direction, at least uh, there should be clear parameters uh, to make sure that, okay, uh, this uh, uh, single use is exempted under a number of conditions, because otherwise, uh, you know, in many cases, and um, you can experience this also as a normal consumer. I mean, you go to any fast food uh, restaurants in most of the member states, as I said, I mean, there can be exemption. Uh, what happened to the single use is that it's all collected in the same uh, bin and in, in, the, in the best case scenario goes to incineration and in the worst case scenario uh, goes to life feeling and clearly this then cannot be said that he, he performed better than the, the, the multi-use when then is the end of life treatment is either incineration uh, or or um, reuse as i said there are exemptions we are aware of that but these are clearly uh, exemption rather than the reality in the member states uh, where indeed in a number of cases uh, a, a collection system has been put in place so um, we believe that indeed uh, um, I mean, just to give exemption and not even put uh, uh, strict conditions, which will ensure at least that this single use, it is uh, uh, separately collected and recycled at the end, uh, could uh, could be even more problematic. And so, and in any case, this will not solve the problem of uh, um, uh, exponential increase of, of, of packaging in general. Thank you, thank you, Mattia. Um, uh, Marco, can I ask you to to um, share what is your perspective on on these exemptions and the possible exemptions that can come from the Parliament's vote next week? 
Yes, thank you, Silvia. I will come in a second to that. I just also wanted to add uh, perhaps an element on the on the discussion before. And one is very obvious, but maybe it seems uh, this month is necessary to repeat it. The circular economy is not recycling. And I thought it was obvious. I really, it's a little bit sad that at this point we have to explain this. The circular economy is not recycling. And uh, it's very clear, recycling is, is important, but recycling on its own does not reduce uh, waste, does not reduce waste in a context where year on, year on, there's a non-controlled growth of packaging waste. So this is why when some interests try to push recycling in a fake opposition to waste prevention and reuse, this is clearly instrumental. Um, recycling is in opposition to the other step if you're a single-use packaging producer, if your single-use package, packaging product is unnecessary and can be replaced by well-designed reuse systems. Otherwise, it's perfectly complementary. And uh, the re reuse systems uh, are and will have to be recyclable, but also, and this is perhaps an interesting element, as collection was identified as a critical point, uh, reuse systems, they simplify collection to a dramatic point because then you, you are not on the street trying to separate cigarette butts from a dirty coffee cups, but uh, reuse systems, they ensure that packaging returns to a collection point. So when at, at its end of life has to be uh, recycled after it has accomplished uh, many rotation, you will have a, 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 a lot of reusable packaging products of the same uh, material, of the same polymer, all together in a clean stream. So this is to say, this is also to show that these steps are not in opposition. So reuse is not in opposition to recycling and it also facilitates collection. And in doing so, it happens also to solve a major problem of single-use packaging, notably in the food service, which is littering. Littering, so packaging that is thrown in our street, is not just an environmental problem. It's a cost. It's a cost on everyone, on taxpayers. It's a cost also on citizens that don't consume these products. It's also a cost on citizens that take the effort to put them in the bin. And this is a cost that uh, is offset on uh, on the whole society for the gain of single packaging producers that at this point they are lobbying to get out of uh, of the measures of uh, of this regulation and perhaps another point because um the data that were um, introduced about paper recycling they're conveniently pointing at all paper packaging materials together as these hides where the problem are notably in the food sector which is not coincidentally specifically where the commission proposal focused. Because in the food sector, so this is paper-based packaging in contact with food and drinks, the situation looks much less great from a circular economy perspective. And uh, the recycling rate there are lower, but also much lower is the possibility to, to incorporate recycled content. And we have uh, actually looked at that uh, beyond our opinion. We have conducted a study also with FERN. The study is available. Uh, disposable paper-based food packaging, the full solution to the packaging waste crisis. And this is directly linked to the derogations and the exceptions. Uh, because the moment that, for political reasons, under pressure from the lobby, you accept single-use paper packaging, you are encouraging not to go up the waste hierarchy and look really at reusable solution, at prevention solution. What you're encouraging is a shift from single-use packaging made of plastics to single-use packaging base of paper and here the boundaries keep getting more and more blurred from our perspective there's not an anti-plastic or an anti-paper there has been a focus on the problem being unnecessary throwaway packaging regardless of the material 
And we would also stress, specifically in the food sector, the boundaries keep getting more blurred. As Anna mentioned, it's paper coated with plastic, it's paper coated with chemical coatings, or is multi-material, uh, which, by the way, was another of the area originally where we were expecting the Commission proposal to do more, simplifying uh, packaging formats, because that would have also helped uh, um, recycling. So this is um, in, um, just to, to segue indeed to the derogation. These derogations for us are uh, clearly a result of political pressure. And as it was uh, referred by Mattia, the IT report, this is the position of the industry committee. Um, it really brought back to mind what Anna said. Uh, she mentioned climate deniers. Uh, these are packaging waste crisis deniers because you look at the each report, which is very well drafted, but it's drafted reflecting a reality where we don't have a packaging waste crisis. Because what it does, and it's surprising coming from uh, the committee that is supposed to uh, represent the interest of industry, it deletes the targets for 2040 for reuse. This is an absurd move because uh, indeed company will have to undergo also an expensive transition to reuse systems. And to help them, what do you do? You remove the visibility in these investments by making the 2040 targets uh, voluntary. And then also I refer to denial of the packaging waste crisis because there is entire deletion of the measures put forward by the commission to tackle uh, unnecessary packaging. So of course, uh, there is shared competencies, but in terms of the preparation and the how close to uh, the material reality these two positions are, there's, uh, there's a big difference. We really invite MEPs to uh, to look at the report, but confronted with the, with the reality. And the reality is 188 kilograms of packaging waste per person per year. Thank you, Marco. Um, I will get to Hannah and uh, Wurik very soon, I, but I know that Mattia has to leave soon. Uh, so I just want to make sure that some of the uh, questions that came through um, Slido are um, answered. We have one question uh, by Angelo Di Mambro, ANSA News Agency, um, to Mattia. Um, some farmers' organizations say that the EU wants to ban salad in plastic bags. Is that interpretation correct? He asks. Just make sure that you unmute yourself. Indeed, there has been in the Italian press lots of attention to this um, proposal, and indeed uh, um, there was a lot of focus on one of the prohibition which is contained in the proposal, which is for packaging below uh, 1.5 uh, kilograms for fruits and vegetables. Um, so that's, uh, as you can see already in the proposal of the Commission, uh, by the way, I always recall to everybody that this proposal is a result of, uh, I mean, the Commission is really a collegial body. So that proposal is a result of a discussion with the colleagues in the GIGRO, which are in charge of industry, with the colleagues in the GIAGRI, which are in charge of agriculture, with the colleagues in the GISANTE, which are in charge of food safety. Um, so, and when, when it gets out, is the result of all this, uh, because indeed the inter, uh, interfere with many other legislation. So that's uh, just to give an example, interfere with food content materials. So of course we need to make sure that what we do in the packaging, then it's also compatible what you have under uh, FCM, food content materials. And, um, and indeed also we've been discussing in, in terms of DG Agri uh, and um, and if you look at the proposal, uh, there is uh, this ban for packaging below 1.5 um, kilograms, but at the same time, the proposal itself 
uh, says uh, that uh, um, uh, the packaging can still remain if we, uh, it is needed for uh, the safety of the food. If it's needed, for example, that is the example of the turgidity of the food, there is uh, some wording there. Uh, apparently, this is not considered uh, sufficient. Um, indeed, the parliament is now asking the commission to even list to, 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 uh, to come up with a list of fruits and vegetable packagings uh, which will be exempted. I mean, this is uh, in the ENVI in the committee uh, report. Uh, so, and, um, and indeed, uh, if, the, the, as I said, uh, I mean, the Commission will clarify that, but I think it is already clear that in a number of uh, circumstances, uh, the single use can be preserved, provided that is if, if fulfill another uh, function. Uh, thank you. Mattia, uh, another quick question from uh, Max Drummond um, for you as well. Could you elaborate a little on the controversy regarding the impact assessment and the consultancy that conducted it? Uh, does the biased agenda of the consultancy lead to any rethinking within the Commission, uh, he asks? Okay. No, maybe that allows me to, to, to clarify that because we got already also internally quite a lot, I mean, not internally, but we got uh, many emails uh, complaining about that. So um, the, the, the Commission uh, carried out the impact assessment based on a support study. This is uh, done in every single proposal of the Commission. The way this was selected is was based on uh, a framework contract, again, like is done in most of the impact assessment. Normally, you have a call for expression of interest, and then you have a list of companies which they are in this framework contract, and then the Commission asks uh, make this request uh, for services and normally there is an independent committee uh, with also representative of other DGs which allocate uh, uh, that uh, task. Uh, now, the, 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 con the controversy or the fact that uh, uh, indeed uh, it has been brought to our attention uh, um, was the fact that the NG, the, sorry, the, 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 the consultancy which carried out the impact assessment, the, not the, the support study for the impact assessment of the Commission, uh, uh, has also been uh, working for NGOs after the adoption of the proposal. Um, we uh, indeed investigated that, and uh, indeed this took place after the adoption of the proposal. Uh, and so this is perfectly in line with the, the rules of the framework contract, which foresee that the consultancy, uh, of course, cannot work for any other uh, players during the, uh, the, the impact assessment stage, so during, um, during the elaboration of the proposal. But we understand that all these contracts which uh, have been put in place uh, um, uh, took place after um, uh, the adoption of the proposal, so when the non-compete clause was not, uh, uh, not available. But this being said, uh, as I said myself, and I prefer to, to always be open to that, in the sense that uh, um, the, uh, the, 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 the life cycle assessment, uh, it is uh, it's not rocket science. It's not like you have a scientific phenomenon that you describe, and then you come to a physical rule of that scientific phenomenon. It's based on a number of assumptions, but I think two points I would like to make are the following. One is that... Uh, um, it is true that Article 4, Paragraph 2, which is an important uh, paragraph of the West Framework Directive, clearly says that uh, if the Commission wants to deviate from reuse, it has to demonstrate this by a life cycle assessment, and then we can go to recycling. So we, 
but the, the, the article doesn't work in the other way around. It doesn't say that in order to impose a reuse target, the commission has to demonstrate with a life cycle assessment that reuse is better than recycling. If you read the article, um, the article says exactly the opposite. Reuse by default is considered better, but the commission can deviate and have recycling uh, as, a, as a target, uh, provided that it's better from a life cycle point of view. Uh, and also the second point I wanted to make uh, is that, uh, um, and I think Marco made also that point, it was very good. We really tried, uh, and we still believe enormously in recycling. So really I want to make that point because uh, it has been really unfortunate that uh, this at the end became a battle between reuse and recycling. The commission believes that recycling is an important pillar of uh, uh, circular economy, but equally reuse is also an important pillar uh, and uh, uh, is actually a complementary pillar uh, to, to achieve waste reduction, which could not be achieved unless uh, you have uh, uh, reuse um, targets. And, and, and we tried, uh, because I think the, the impact assessment, uh, indeed, as you said, that there has been criticism, and I'm not surprised about this question, but there is at least one thing that has to be recognized. The Commission did not come with a flat, as uh, Marco was mentioning, a target on reuse. Uh, we came with a very tailor-made approach. So we, 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 we have been looking to different sectors. Take the example of pallets that nobody speaks about. Uh, do you think it's normal that half of the pallets currently on the market uh, where you transport your goods uh, are, um, are single use? So that means that they're handed to the final consumer and then you stay with the pallet. And I can tell you, I had experienced myself. I mean, I made the, before the summer break an order of wines with a group of friends and then suddenly I was delivered that order of wine and the, the pallet uh, was, was, I was left alone with the pallet. And I, I tried in every way to reuse that pallet right into even reuse companies that then they start to say no but it's not part of our uh, let's say portfolio therefore we cannot take it back so at the end the, the, the only solution was to bring it back to a, a collection center a, a communal uh, collection center and we know that pallets can go up 100 percent you can have a, perf a perfectly closed loop where you reuse all the pallets and they can last uh, very long so these are the approach we have taken and the same applies to food for the reason that marco was saying so I think we, regardless of this, let's say this criticism of the impact assessment, I think there was a, a rather, uh, would you say, a, a constructive approach on the commission side to really focus on area where we, we, we saw based on existing examples, uh, because indeed the other half of the market, for example, for pallets function very well with the reuse. Uh, and there is even a, a consortium and all, all of that. Uh, we are focused in that areas where we believe that uh, can really be key to achieve this uh, reduction targets and to bring environmental uh, benefits. So that's, uh, and this is clearly, um, if you take all the sectors together, there is clearly a, a number in our impact assessment which shows all the uh, environmental uh, benefits which will be generated.
Thank you. Thank you so much, Mattia. Thank you also for participating um, to, to this event. Um, uh, let's go back to another question from, uh, from the audience. We have David Ellison from ETH uh, Zurich. Um, he says, discouraging the practice of forestry uh, will simply further reduce the forest-based carbon sink because it undermines incentives to invest in the forest. But of course, the way to go is to further improve the recycling strategies, not stop the use of forest products. Um, I also worry a lot uh, about reducing European forestry practices because the result will be significant increases in forest product imports from the rest of the world, which uh, just further promote uh, the deforestation of primary forest. Maybe, Hannah, you want to, to comment on this question? Yeah, sure. And I'm actually really intrigued because I was also going to cite a study that was released actually yesterday from ETHZ Zurich, um, which showed that the uh, number one solution to um, absorbing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere was actually to let forests restore and protect them. So I think that there's a little bit of silo thinking within ETHZ. And it'd be really great if you could go and speak um, with your colleagues, um, because um, at least those are the facts and figures that are coming out um, yesterday. Um, I, I want to get back to basics. The EU has climate targets. We're trying to reduce emissions. Um, as part of that, we have a LULUCF target. The LULUCF target is trying to increase removals. Um, and currently, the EU forest sink uh, is rapidly declining. Um, and so I want to come back to, to something that is often said, which is that you know what, what we're really trying to do is stop um, emitting fossil fuel emissions. And obviously, we're trying to stop fossil fuel emissions. But at the same time, if that's been cancelled out by a massive decline in the forest carbon sink, then they just cancel each other out. And I'll end with a small anecdote from a, one of the leading NGO um, experts in forest and climate in Finland, Hanna Aho, who, who said to me that when she was recently in Brussels to, to talk about the, the huge pulp mill that's just opened in Finland, which is going to increase harvesting and, and, and further tip uh, what uh, the Finnish forests into um, into emitting uh, CO2, um, which is what they're currently doing already. Um, she said, "Well, what, really, what my my job at the moment is to is is to say that Finland actually hasn't ha, has done nothing to progress against its climate targets because since 1990 it has indeed decreased its fossil fuel emissions um, from the ETS um, sectors, but at the same time it's led to such a massive decline." in the forest carbon sink that actually it, it all levels out and, and actually the emissions uh, are, at the, are at the same level. So I think it's really important to, to, to not juxtapose these things. Obviously, reducing fossil fuel emissions are hugely important, but it's also important to do that at the same time as, as, as increasing storage, uh, which we don't talk about enough, um, and absorption levels in forests, which according to experts at ETHZ released yesterday, 61% uh, of, the, of, the, of the solution comes from protecting and uh, restoring forests and uh, not planting trees. So thanks. Yes, thank you. Um, Hannah, just another question still from the chat from uh, for you. Uh, there are bio barriers available and the industry is focusing on this, says Maria Rita Mandel, senior analyst at Valmet. I would be more worried about microplastics and water and chemical usage when you washing reusable plastic cutlery, um, for instance, in fast food restaurants. Um, would, would you like to react to this? I'm afraid I'm not an expert in microplastics or, uh, or, or, or this. What I do know is that uh, independent studies have shown that the, uh, uh, in about two-thirds, so 32 out of 42 products, but about in about two-thirds of applications of single-use paper-based products, um, which are coated with, uh, um, with um, 
uh, with, with chemicals or with plastic uh, uh, has been proven to uh, have impacts um, on, uh, on, on human health um, as a result of the forever chemicals that, are, that they are coated with. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's all I can say. Thank you so much. Um, Odik, um, I, I don't know if you want to react on anything that was uh, said uh, so far, but I would also like to ask you, uh, what are your expectations uh, from the upcoming vote um, and, uh, and the negotiations ahead? Yeah, thank you. So, so on on your on your last uh, on your last question, what 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 we, we of course also follow follow the debate very closely. Um, we have um, we have seen um, that that there are moves that are that are um, taking uh, approaches that might help in 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 materials, but but are are. Uh, difficult to understand for, for, for other material. I, I'm speaking about, for example, um, something that has been added uh, in, in the Envy report, which, which is this requirement for, for a closed product loop recycling. That, that we hope that, that uh, members of the European Parliament do understand that we have to look at, at different materials in different ways. Um, depending on where there is a functioning material loop and where a cl more closed loop is necessary, but don't apply it to, to, to all materials. That is about uh, recyclability. Then indeed uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the single uh, use uh, versus reuse debate still. So, so, so indeed we, we have proposals that have been made to, to really justify where uh, sing, the single-use alternative is better. Um, targets could be uh, reduced uh, if, if we have uh, functioning fu functioning loops. Their, their proposals have been made, and and there we we also hope that this this understanding gets through. The, the Commission has has already also introduced su such exemptions based on. Um, um, when when it comes to business and business uh, uh, and business transaction with, uh, with regard to cardboard because that is absolute functioning loop so based on that uh, exemption has been made for 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 a, for a good reason and and similarly as Mathieu explained that that could be the uh, uh, an approach to to look at what are really the circularity that is achieved um, of course it has to be justified there there I'm I'm absolutely with you. So then on, on, on things I, I, I heard in, in, the, in the last couple of minutes, I, I think the circular economy, we, we, we must uh, see it as not only limited to packaging. Packaging is there for a reason. Packaging is there to protect goods from being wasted. So, so, so we, we cannot just look at packaging and look at that number of, of, of packaging that is increasing when, when, uh, when we have less packaging or less performing packaging. We have goods, we have food that, is, uh, that, that will be wasted more. So, so, so it, it, it is part of a system. And, and, and so that is, that is why it, it is, um, of course, a, a focus. The, the Commission has made a proposal on on on, on food waste, um, where packaging plays a role. So so and and you need to, to look at it as a as a system. Um, other other topics need to be 
also uh, addressed. I think um, Marco mentioned littering. I, I'm myself. I, I live in in the center of of Brussels. Um, if I go out on a Sunday morning, of course, I'm annoyed by, by, by the littering that I see in the streets. And 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 that that are collection problem problems really. And 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 making make, making people aware that that the materials that that they use they they are. Uh, important materials to be reinserted in the economy. There's a lot of education work to be done, but 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 the, the littering is is of course annoying. But if we look at the massive amounts also of transport packaging, that 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 are that are not even seen uh, by, by 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 the yeah by 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 you and I as as uh, as, as 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 consumers, uh, we have absolutely functioning loops um, food. Um, food packaging for for takeaway uh, in, in in paper that that is indeed a minor amount and and health issues are uh, are taken very seriously in in, in paper and 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 there are le less uh, alerts than co compared to to other materials but uh, the the question of chemicals needs to be addressed in in, in future reach um reach uh, reg uh, reach uh, revisions it, it's not a, a, a paper specific um issue so so i think uh, and then finally also multi-material I, I think that is addressed in the commission proposal um by by the, the rules uh, for design for recycling so that uh, in the different sectors indeed we come to different recycling uh recyclability assessments and and, and multi-material also needs to be assessed to, to to make sure they will be uh, recycled just as uh, as the the mono material and other packaging materials as well that just as a few points i i wanted uh to to react to thank you very much thank you Thank you, Rick. Um, I see that Mattia is still here, so I will just uh, uh, take advantage of this uh, to ask a final question to, to him. Uh, Mattia, do you um, expect the file to be concluded uh, before the end of the term? Is this a realistic expectation? I mean, I mentioned that uh, it is difficult to, to, to foresee now. Uh, in the sense that there are two steps in between. Uh, so the first step is to make sure that the two institutions, they reach, uh, um, in one case, the plenary vote in the parliament and a general approach in the council. Normally, uh, the, 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 the plenary vote, uh, except really uh, um, unforeseeable uh, situations, will take place uh, next week. And indeed, then another thing will be, and this no one knows what will be the final outcome of the vote in the plenary vote, notably uh, on Article 22 and 26 and also Annex 5. So that's uh, um, uh, for sure there will be a vote of the parliament to be seen what will be the final outcome of that vote. Then this should be seen in conjunction with the um, objective of the Spanish presidency to reach a general approach uh, in the Environmental Council of December. Um, I can tell you that the work is going uh, rather, uh, progressing ra rather faster. There is uh, even this week on Friday, there is another working party of environment. Um, so I would expect that uh, both, uh, uh, both steps can take place. If these two steps, they take place as foreseen, uh, then, indeed, uh, early January, the, the Commission, uh, the, the Council and the Parliament uh, 
can start uh, the trilogues and that uh, uh, then indeed leave us with a with a very tight uh, calendar because indeed uh, um, there will be the recession period that uh, should start uh, uh, at the latest in March. This is our understanding, uh, but we also understand that there may be exemption uh, that the parliament may decide to 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 to, to grant in the sense that if if a file is very in an advanced stage, maybe the parliament. Uh, will decide that to continue to work on the file uh, even if the approach if the elections are approaching in order to uh, to complete uh, uh, that but i mean it's too early to, to to judge that but overall if we have enough uh, uh, trilogues both political and technical which are organized uh, it could be feasible in our uh, assessment uh, um, to, to 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 complete the file within uh, the current uh, term at least that's uh, uh, we also know that the Belgian presidency would like to treat this file as a priority file under the Belgian presidency, so that shows that there will be continuity with the Spanish presidency, which has been put uh, uh, a lot of focus on, the, on that file. So um, I think uh, uh, there will be a lot of work, but at the same time, uh, the conditions are there for maybe concluding within this term. Thank you. Thank you, Mattia. Indeed, a lot will depend on the upcoming vote next week. Uh, your active will um, follow that um, and continue to cover uh, the regulation. Uh, thank you so much to all the participants and the speakers uh, for taking part in the, today's event. Uh, thank you to the, um, those who have been following uh, us as well and asking questions. And thank you to, to Life Terra for supporting today's uh, program. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. LifeTerra is co-financed by the European Commission through the LIFE programme.